And I am just picking up kind of where I left off last week. And, um, you know, it would really benefit you, I believe, uh, if you listen to the video or, or the podcast or the live stream or the YouTube, whatever form of social media or media you want to use, uh, but to listen to last Thursday's teaching, and it will be a blessing to you. And uh, it, I, I just really believe that it will. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just kind of like a spark plug that every once in a while it just fires and hits. And God just hit me last week and spoke to me. And uh, and it just it just came and it just, you know, I didn't get it out of a commentary. I just started writing and God said, just write. I'm going to give it to you. And so I really believe that it will be a blessing to you and help you in your walk. And I entitled that last week. The blessedness of a spirit-filled life, your relationship with the Father. The blessedness of a spirit-filled life, your relationship with the Father. That's a connected statement right there. And I broke it down and talked about uh, the relationship with the Father. I'm going to pick it up a little bit here more. But one of the works of the Holy Spirit, obviously, is to connect us back to God right and so uh you know we're saved we're spirit born we're spirit filled spirit led we're spirit people amen holy spirit people and so um you know this is a whole new thing that we see come about in the new testament uh, of a spirit filled life it was it's a dispensation and if you don't know what a dispensation is a dispensation is a dispensing of time so from the time of Jesus' birth or really to his death uh, and resurrection to, to today is a period of time where God has poured out grace and he's poured out his spirit and that's the dispensation that we're living in. It's coming to a close. And when the church is gone, I can tell you, it, it, you know, it, the Jews are going to be saved many are going to be saved and come to know christ um uh, but the time that we're living in is the grace that has been given to us and the holy spirit and and you'll hear it tonight you'll see it here in the word of god but just remember this the blessedness of a spirit-filled life is my relationship with the father that i have a renewed restored relationship with the father in romans chapter 8 verse 14 we're just going to read a few portions of scripture here and then pray and we'll uh, go on further after. But for the sake of time, he said, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Every one of you in here tonight, myself included, were adopted into the family of God in the, through the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice on the cross. Amen. God chose us. Think about that. He chose us. I remember Randy Brewer who was adopted. He said to the kids in, in, in the church there, I guess when he was younger, and I guess, you know, it just qualifies for this. But he said, you know, your parents got stuck with you. 
He said, I was adopted. My parents chose me. Amen. Think about it. God chose us. He loved us with an everlasting love. I think that's one of the reasons I ran to the altar when they told me about the love of God. Because I, I wanted love so bad. And I got it at an old-fashioned altar. But he says, You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. I just want to preach tonight, as I said, picking up the blessedness of a Spirit-filled life. And that's what this whole chapter is about in chapter 8. Your relationship with your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege and honor to come, to be here, to honor you and to glorify you and to bless your name. And Lord, I pray that you will speak through us and to us tonight from your word. Lord, I absolutely surrender myself unto you. I know I'm the most unworthy person in the building. God, for you to use, I, I just come humbly before you. And I ask you, Lord, to use the foolish things, the base things, God, the weak things, God, to speak and minister to your congregation and your people. And God, encourage us tonight in this beautiful uh, exposition here in the Word of God. And let us, Lord, understand it and let it minister to our hearts and make us feel, Lord, like the children of God that we are and glorify and honor you in the almightiness that you are. And we give you all the glory and honor and ask your blessing upon it and your anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in this passage, oftentimes in this 8th chapter, when you get down past the 17th verse, it's a very hard passage to understand. Um, I'm not going to uh, act like that. It's not. But I hope to break it down a little bit tonight. And this is what God has shown me and revealed to me. One awesome revelation herein in this passage is how a life in the Holy Spirit brings us into a vital, a real vital relationship with the Father. Not a mental ascent. There's a lot of people that have a mental ascent, but that's not spiritual. You can know God here, but not know Him here. But when you know Him here, I can tell you it's different. Amen. Amen. But, but there's a, it's a real relationship with the Father, and that's what this all boils down to. God saving us to reunite us back with Himself. And uh, uh, a real spiritual experience is not a mental ascent. It's not even knowledge of the Word on this truth, but a real grasp on our relationship with the Father. And this is paramount. It's of utmost importance to being successful, to being proficient in your Christian life. You know, I say that because there's a lot of people that live beneath what God's Word says and what we can possess. I've preached this for years. And I pray that you listen to what I'm getting ready to say. Because I heard somebody the other day, and they were talking about how that people have an IQ, which is your intelligent uh, uh, I don't even know how to say the word, but quotient, or 
quotient. That's how it's it's pronounced in the the dictionary. But your IQ is your is your intellect value or your score, and uh, uh, your IQ. And then there's an EQ, and your EQ is something that a lot of people don't think about, but that's your emotional score. Because there's people that have a lot of intelligence, but they don't have the emotional skill set to make it through life. I've seen people that were very educated, but they fell apart uh, at, at the most least emotional thing. Any little thing would just cause them to fall apart. They, they just We live in a generation that has a very low emotional EQ. Amen. That's why they call them snowflakes. But there's, I believe, I believe that there is a Holy Spirit quotient or a spiritual life quotient or a, 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 a score. Now, you say, what's mine? I don't know. It's going to depend upon uh, what you, uh, your, your ability and your maturity, I say ability, um, your skill set spiritually, your maturity level spiritually, spiritually, your proficiency to understand and live out to the fullest spiritual life that God has promised us. So you have to stop and think about it. What is my spiritual level? What is my spiritual, uh, you know, uh, IQ, if you will? And I'm not using intelligence, but spiritual assessment and value and score. Where do I fall? What do I lack? Do I lack in spiritual maturity? Do I lack in a spiritual skill set? Do I understand and live out to the fullest what God has given me by His Spirit in the Word of God and in my experience? Because a lot of people know the Word, but they don't allow the Word to operate through them in the power of God's Spirit to live overcoming lives. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's the way it's supposed to. You know, they don't live and, and have assurance in their walk with God. They don't have a spiritual security in God. Every other week they're backslid. Every other week they're wondering if they're saved. Come on. Y'all here with me. Amen. They don't lack the confidence that they should have in God. They don't live out the power of God in their life. They live beneath what God has given us. And the people of God, the Christian believers, the people of faith, the Holy Ghost filled people are to be the most spiritually stable, the most emotionally stable people because your spirit man should have greater power and authority over even your emotions. Think about it. Everything to a lot of people is less than what God has promised and provided for them. That's why Paul said, you've not so learned Christ. We need to learn the Word, and we need to walk in the power of the Spirit that whenever we get fired off of our job, and it may happen, we don't fall apart. We just say, you know what? God's got something better. He's moving me in a different direction. Or we say, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have been late 25 times. People get mad and they go, I can't believe they fired me. I said, well, I can't believe you didn't show up 25 times on time. You know? But we're mature enough to realize that even if it was something that I did, I got to own up to it and embrace it and accept it. 
and own it. I was a poor employee. There's a lot of poor employees with a very low work ethic. But I'm not here to talk about the culture. I'm just here to say to you tonight, as a, as a Christian, we should be the most stable people on the planet. We should be the people that no matter what we see going on around about us, we don't fall apart. We're all, I, can, I believe at times we all fail. I failed. I failed this week. But I'm going to tell you right now, I know that God is greater than anything that comes across my path. He's greater than the giants that are in front of me. So he says here in the word of God, in verse 12, he says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Because I want to go back a few verses. We are not debtors to the flesh uh, to, to live after the flesh. I'm sorry, let me read it again. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. We are not to live after the flesh. We are not in debt to the flesh is what he's saying any longer. But we are to be willingly committed to the Spirit of God. And I don't want to use the word debt because we could never pay back the debt we owe to God that He gave His only Son. But we are to be bondservants unto the Lord. In other words, we are to live willingly committed to what the Spirit of God has called us to. And it's never a drudgery. It's never a duty. It's always a pleasure. It's always a privilege. And you say, well, it isn't for me. Well, then you need to really get saved and understand what it means to walk in the Spirit because it's a beautiful thing. It's an awesome thing. So he says here in verse 13, one work of walking or being, being committed to the Spirit of God and the work of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit is, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. One work of the Spirit of God and your cooperation with the Spirit of God and my cooperation is bringing this body, it's these emotions and everything under submission to the Holy Spirit. We must bring it under control and under submission to the Holy Spirit. The world, I'm sorry, the word rather, is, is, is this in writing. But the Spirit of God is the power and the influence to obey what God has written and the conscious, consciousness of it. We see it written in the Word of God, but it's not, a lot of times people say, I see it written there, Pastor, but I don't see it operating in my life. I said, you need the power of God to bring it to pass in your life. And you have to obey the Spirit of God. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. I can tell you, you can't do that if you never if you never uh, if you never sow to the things of the spirit. You know, we are not slaves unto God. We are sons of God, daughters of God. We're all sons in the eyes of God, whether you're male or female. But we are not slaves. We are sons. So get that out of your mind for just a minute. Because a lot of people have a slave mentality. I can tell you God delivered the Egyptians from the slavery and the bondage. And He brought them into the promised land. It didn't mean that they didn't stop to fight. Or they didn't have to possess the land. It didn't mean they didn't have to work the land. It didn't mean that there wasn't things before them and challenges and things. But there's a blessing in all of that. 
You don't have to go into the promised land. You can stay in the wilderness or you can stay in Egypt. But that's bondage. That's slavery. God said, I want you to possess the land. And he said, but you're going to have to have the want to to do it. And you're going to have to obey me and follow me and be submitted unto me. So we are not slaves. We are sons with a bond unto God because of his bond unto us. And he said in verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We must be led by the Spirit. When you're submitted to the Holy Spirit, you will be led by the Spirit of God. You'll do what he tells you to do. Amen? If he tells you, I don't want you to watch that show anymore, don't watch it. If he tells you, get rid of that app, get rid of it. If he tells you, you're playing too many video games, you're playing too many video games. If you're watching too much TV, you're watching too much TV. Amen. You, you can go, people say, I just don't have time to pray or read. Yes, you do. Because you have time for everything else. So when we're led by the Spirit of God, he'll tell us. Amen. I know, sometimes I lay in bed and he says, get up and pray. And I said, Lord, but I'm tired. He said, you can lay there in your flesh and sleep, or you can get up and you can follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and pray. And you're going to be a whole lot better off if you listen to the leadership of the Spirit of God and you obey Him. But we must be led. In verse 15 he said, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We must know we are children of God. We have a heavenly Father. We don't have to be in bondage to the treacherous fear of the past, but reverence God, have a holy fear for God, have a respectful fear for God. I'm not going to sit up here and act like, or stand up here and act like that. We don't need to have a fear of God. We do need to have a fear of God, but you need to have a right understanding of fear. And it's a reverence, it's a respect, it's a holy, holy fear. It's a godly fear, it's a healthy fear to say, I know that God is in heaven. He could strike me dead right now, but he don't want to. He loves me. And so I, 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 but I have a reverent fear for God. But then there's people that are not living right. They're not saved. They need to have a fear of God's judgment. Jesus took our judgment. But we still need to be in obedience unto God and submit to Him and have a healthy fear, not a treacherous fear. Hear me. Sin has a treacherous fear. The devil brings a treacherous fear. But God wants you to have a holy fear. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's healthy. It's a respectful fear. It's an obedience unto God and a reverence. Because this life in the Spirit brought me into a glorious union with my Father. So I can cry, and I do cry, Abba, Father, unto my Father. Amen. It's a cry, Abba, Father. It's a joyful cry. It's a cry that says, Daddy. Do you understand me? One time I was carrying a real heavy weight. And I remember my office was right here. And I just went in there and I put my hands out there on that platform where my desk was, my chair. I just turned out the light and I just laid my face down there. And I just began to cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, I mean the Spirit of God came in that room. 
and the presence of God touched me so beautifully. And he ministered to me. And he said, this is the cry that I want from my people. I just want them to depend on me. I want them to cry unto me and depend upon me. When they're in need, I want them to come to me and realize that I'm not standing up in heaven in this life that they're living with a gavel in my hand waiting to pop them. Like the gopher that pops up and you got that thing and you're acting like God's sitting up there just trying to slam whoever pops their head up and does something wrong. He said, no, I'm, the Spirit of God is within us. And whenever we do something we're not supposed to do, whether it be sin or whether we, well, it's all sin or in our flesh or whatever, but we disobey God, we feel that because the Spirit of God's been grieved. And so he wants us to come to him and be restored. Listen, he said, I put in you that cry of Abba, Father. That's a beautiful cry. You can say, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. He said, that's the work of the Spirit I put in you that cry unto God the Father that I don't have to be afraid that He's going to reject me. I don't have to be afraid that He's going to judge me even though God is the judge. But He's not judging right now. He's extending grace. And we're under the blood and we're under grace. And so come to Him with that in mind and understand I've got a, I've got a Heavenly Father and I'm crying. Abba Father unto Him with a joyful cry. Please see this clearly. We are not fatherless. But the whole point is that of being reunited, reinstated, restored with our Father. The prodigal son had a faint witness of who his father was. Because he said, I can get up from here. It's better in my father's house. In fact, he said, the servants are taken better and treated better in my father's house than I'm living in this hog pen eating slop with these hogs. So he had a faint witness of the father's house and what to expect at the father's house. But how wrong he was when he got to the father's house. Thank God he wasn't met with the elder brother. Or he told him, you just better get yourself on back out there. You're not allowed back in this church. Come on now. Anybody's allowed in the church here. Other places I can't speak for, I'm not the pastor, but anybody can come back here. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, there's been people in the past that have left and people go, where, where did they go? Why did they leave? I said, I don't know. They never said goodbye. What do you do when somebody doesn't say goodbye? What do you do when they don't respond to your text? What do you do when they don't answer your phone calls? You, can, you know, but see, what happens is it just creates all of this mystery in people in the church's mind. They think, well, what? Who did something to them? You know, people come and ask me. I say, I couldn't tell you. Some people, I have no idea. They just got up and left. You know, but, but what I'm saying is that the prodigal came back and what he was thinking he was going to be greeted with and met with was people saying, okay, we'll let you be a servant, but the father doesn't want to really have anything to do with you. But that's not what happened. See, he, his whole perception, his spiritual EQ or, or, or spiritual, you know, quotient that he had, this, this idea in his mind, this understanding, this what he thought he was going to be confronted with was nothing like what he was confronted with. In fact, it wasn't a confrontation. It was a welcome. <laughs> because he thought, I'm coming 
And, and, you know, I'm coming slowly and I've come back. But when the father saw him afar off, he went running to him. And he wrapped his arms around him and he kissed him. And he said, bring a ring, bring a robe, bring shoes, kill the fatted calf. He said, my son was dead, but he's alive. He's come back to life. He loved him. So see, a lot of times, you know, the reason Paul is dealing with the spiritual the, the, the Spirit of God in chapter 8, and he brings him this cry of a father, is because I, he said, I want everybody uh, to understand that when you're dealing with the Holy Spirit, or he's dealing with you, or he's in you, he's trying to show you you've been reunited back with the Father. That's the greatest relationship that could ever take place in your life. The greatest thing that could ever happen was God being restored with man. And he said, I want you to understand you have this cry. You don't have to be in fear. You're a child of God. He put a witness in your spirit. You belong to him. You've got a father. Love him. Amen. Love him. We don't realize what a glorious position we are in spiritual sons we're spiritual sons and he said in verse 17 heirs and joint heirs with Christ if so be that we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together people only say heirs and joint heirs with Christ they leave out the suffering part nobody wants to suffer I don't want to suffer you don't want to suffer nobody wants to suffer they may say they're willing to suffer, but a lot of times people don't want to suffer. When we were watching The Chosen, the, the latest uh, uh, two episodes when we saw it, and Jesus is sitting around and he's talking to all the disciples of the things that they were going to encounter and where he was sending them. And they sat there and they knew that. And, and, and they just began to, to let all that sink in. And you could see it on their face. You could feel it in the atmosphere. Wow, we're getting ready to go out and uh, by twos, and we're going to suffer. There's going to be suffering, and the suffering comes in many forms and fashions. Uh, but the cool thing is that, and we'll get into the suffering in just a minute, but he said if we're heirs and joint heirs with Christ, set aside the suffering part of that scripture for just a second, we may also be glorified together. What does it mean to be an heir or a joint heir with Jesus Christ? I'm, I want to read it to you in Ephesians chapter 1. He said in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 3 of chapter 1, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1, 3, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. What you have to realize is that I am no longer in this natural place, this, this dead and trespasses and sin place, this place where I have no father, where I have no future, where I have no hope, this sinful place where I'm absolutely, you know, being destroyed and daily dying, uh, you know, I'm living a, a life that's dead and with no life of God. But no, when he saved us, he, ro he raised us up and he's placed us in Christ 
in heavenly places. When Jesus died, he died for you. You died with him. When he rose, you rose with him. Everybody that puts their faith and trust in him, it is released. It is activated. It is imparted. It is, it is released unto you and I. And God does something in our spirit. He brings it alive. And we're seated in heavenly places. We're seated in heavenly places. And he said in verse 17 of chapter 1 of Ephesians, Paul said, I cease not to fail to pray for you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened or opened up and illuminated, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places So God accepted what Jesus did. And if He accepted what Jesus did, He accepts you in that acceptance. And He said, He is seated in heavenly places, so we're seated there with Him. Even though we're here, we're seated there with Him. Positionally, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he's put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. What is he saying when he says heavenly places? We have a claim to mighty things and exceeding greatness of his power toward us and in us. That's why you can say, in the name of Jesus. We sing it. We sing songs we don't even realize. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Amen. I spoke to somebody this week. Began to pray over them. And at the end of the prayer on the phone, they said, I feel so much better. I said, because I didn't come in Jonathan. I came in the name of Jesus. I came with the power of the blood of Jesus. I came with the, the power and the power of the Spirit of God that came because of the blood of Jesus being shed. Because He died and He rose, was released, the power of God by way of His Spirit. I came in the power and the authority that I have in Jesus. What Jesus has, I have. So I take authority over the spirit of anxiety. I take authority over the spirit of fear. I just came to speak the name of Jesus. Amen. And his name is power. His name is healing. His name is life. Some of you just got a clue. You realize what you've been singing. Amen. Sing it in faith. Sing it in faith. You know, we don't just have this book here in front of us and it says, well, you know, I'm glad that it's in the book. 
it's not just in the book, it's in you. That's why when you got a problem, you can lay hands on it. You can grab hands. You can pray. You can believe God and see God do great and marvelous things. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But he said, we have a claim because we're seated in heavenly places with him. We have a claim to mighty things, exceeding greatness of his power toward us. Christ's resurrection and ascension lifted him up and us too, above the grave, above the burden of guilt and sin, above the things uh, above us or that try to oppress us, above all might, above all principalities, above all dominion. He says it right here in that 21st verse. Far above principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in the world but also in that which is to come. This week I begin to pray because I know the enemy has come against many marriages in this church I don't even have to pass the mic around once you see two or three or four different people that are going through it at the same time I say it's an all out attack you hearing me so at midnight which is the beginning of the day maybe not the beginning of your day but it's the beginning that God says is the beginning of a new day. And it's the beginning where the devil gets up early. That's why you need to pray at midnight. So no, I'm already here at 1145. You know, there's always that person that shows up to work really, really, really early. There's people that stroll in, you know, at the last minute. Amen. It happens. Praise God. Praise God. You know, it happens. But that, that you know, we got to be there early. Let me tell you what happened. So I began to pray. I began to pray over marriages in the house, in the church. I began to pray, God, I said, the enemy's come. There's several marriages, you know, that it's, I'm telling you, it's on the rocks right now. God is going to have to provide and move miraculously. And I begin to bind that spirit that's come against every marriage in the church. Amen. Hallelujah. See, the devil wants you to start 2023 with your marriage in a bucket. But God said, I've given you the victory. Start that thing out in victory. Amen. Hallelujah. Start it out the right way. So I begin to bind that thing and begin to bind every attack of the enemy. Oh, I can tell you, the devil said, oh, he got up earlier than we did today because I just came to speak the name of Jesus. I came to come against every attack of the enemy, against marriages, against fighting and strife and jealousy and disagreements. Amen. And God said, you, you, you hit it on the head. You've hit a nerve. I knew I attacked the I knew I had came against the attack of the enemy and I said I have greater power than all principalities that are far above what it, you know uh, we're far above those things they're under our feet because I have a relationship with the father that sits on the throne and Jesus who sits at his right hand who's expecting till his enemies be made his footstool he said, don't just preach it. Pray it. Pray it in power. Pray it in authority. Amen. Heavenly places. 
Christ resurrected and ascended, was lifted up, and us too above the grave, above the burden of sin, above all things, might, principalities, dominions, strongholds, oppression, attacks of the enemy, the battlefield in your mind, thoughts that are absolutely not even true, Again, higher than fears, sorrows, enemies, difficulties, even your imperfections. And we've all got imperfections. And we all battle, if you love God, with those imperfections. We battle with the guilt of those imperfections. We battle with the bondage and the fear and the torment and the despair of those imperfections. And if you don't, then that means you don't want to be a holy man or woman of God. But when you want to, I'm telling you, you say, I need an altar to get into because I want to make things clean and pure and right with God. But I don't want to diminish or overlook the part about suffering because as Christ did and suffered, we will suffer. You don't hear that preached today. You don't. Come on. I don't. Maybe I'm listening to the wrong people, but I don't hear about suffering. You know, for the longest time, all you heard was blessing. Well, we're starting to realize that our country is going through, you know, sufferings and judgment. Whether you accept it or not, this country is going through judgment right now. And we have not seen nothing yet. But in the midst of the suffering that we're going to go through, because things are going to get tighter, gas is going to get more expensive, food is going to, we're going to see more and more corruption and different things that are going to take place because a nation that forgets God's turned into hell. It's Bible. But nonetheless... We're going to go through it with the power of God. And through the suffering that we go through, we're going to come through on the other side because we've got the Spirit of God within us that's crying out to God, saying, even though I'm going through the suffering, I am in the ark of safety, and I have the Holy Ghost in me, upon me, and He's going to touch me and build me up and bring me through. All things are going to work together for the good. And I'm not going to worry about nothing. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Amen. And I'd rather just tell you the truth of what to expect. You know, you get on those dumb rides at those amusement parks. That one that goes way up. I don't know if it's at where it's at. But it's probably at all of them. And then they drop you like a lead balloon. You tell them, is it really bad? No. The guy that's doing the controls? No, it ain't nothing. You're going to love it. First time I ever went on Goliath. I think whatever it was. Whichever one that's at Magic Mountain. Maybe it wasn't Goliath. Maybe it was X or whatever the one they, they put me on. You know, I can handle Goliath. I like Goliath. I conquered Goliath. It's that other one that they put that thing over the front of you, that harness. I said, hey, 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 hold on here just a second, buddy. I said, I'm a barrel-chested fellow, okay? So you need to loosen this thing a little bit because I can't breathe. He said, sir, it has to be tight. I said, either loosen it or let me off. I have to breathe. Understand, this ain't fat, this is ribs. Okay? Get it right, buddy. Just kind of looked at me and 
loosened it up. I got on that thing, and everything that they told me about that ride was a lie. Straight from the pit of hell. I've been, they turned me around upside and down, this and that. I thought, come back with whiplash and a broken back. Felt like I'd been in a car accident. For 15, not 15 minutes, but about two minutes. I thought, this is crazy. Everybody got off. Nah! They're all excited. I walked off like this, you know. I said, I never ride that thing again. They didn't tell me what to expect. Well, I've come to tell you what to expect. I don't see it getting a lot better. I don't see that. But what I do know is this much. We can look up for our redemption is drawing nigh. And in the midst of all of it, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we shall fear no evil for he is with us. Our Lord is with us. Our shepherd is with us. And he's leading us. And sometimes we think we're smarter than God and we say, Lord, why are you leading me here? What is going on here? And God said, I'm the shepherd. Let me lead you. Trust me. I'll bring you through the valley of the shadow of death. Never said you wouldn't go through it. He said he'd bring you through it. Amen. Amen. Come on now. I don't want to diminish or overlook the part about suffering. Because as Christ suffered, we will suffer. He suffered affliction. He suffered physical affliction. He suffered emotional affliction. And he suffered even spiritual affliction. And let me explain that to you. Not just the savage cruelty of the cross, of being nailed, of having a crown of thorns on his head, of his beard being plucked or being spit on, being pierced in his side, being beat on his back. That was all of the cruel, punched in the face, the cruelty and the savageness of the brutish, the brutality of the cross. That was the physical but he even went through the emotional throughout his ministry. He was misunderstood. He was rejected. He was cursed at. He was misunderstood. He was hated. He was despised. But there's a spiritual part of that too. The suffering of being forsaken on the cross was a spiritual thing. When he hung on the cross and the sky turned black and he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, why have you forsaken me? I can tell you because for him to take the blunt force of the fullness of the cross, all of it, God had to turn his back on sin. That meant he turned his back on his son. Because he took our hell, because that's what hell is. It's rejection from God. It's separation from God. Jesus took that, and he died. But he rose again. So he went through all of those things. And I think about even the mental anguish to where he sweat drops of blood in the garden where he said, Father, if it's possible, please let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So there was physical, emotional, and spiritual persecution and suffering that Jesus went through.
we get a $30 late fee on our credit card and we fall apart. We act like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, you're going to pay it is what you're going to do. And hopefully learn to watch your, your finances better. But why is this relevant to my lesson on this text about the suffering and about the glory that we will, uh, you know, share, or I should say experience, and will be revealed in us is what it says in verse 18. Because we will never, because we will have suffering, and it won't get easier. Yet, in this life that we live in the Spirit, it is our beautiful promise and blessing through the Holy Spirit to experience real acceptance and a relationship to the Father through that. And our sufferings are the reality. Listen, because I'm getting ready to say something I really want you to get. Our sufferings that we go through as a Christian, as a born-again Christian, a Spirit-filled Christian, a person that's doing everything to walk in the Spirit of God, we still go through things of disappointment, of frustration, of times that we've sinned against God. We have to go back and we have to pray through and we have to repent and, and clean it up. We have to go back just because, first of all, God already forgave us, but we need to go back and repent and turn from it. And we need to get up and, and, and go on because there's been corruption that has been brought about in our spirit, man. But our suffering is the reality of having a redeemed soul in an unredeemed body living in an unredeemed, cursed world. Think about it. The suffering that we go through for the most part is the reality of having a redeemed soul, which we have, we're saved, in an unredeemed body. This body's not been redeemed. Well, pastor, where does it say that? It says it right here in the scripture in verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. This body ain't been redeemed. Our soul, spirit, has been renewed. Soul's been redeemed. But this body, I can tell you, the majority of the things that we do that are sinful happen through this body. Amen. Even in that gray matter that we have. Thoughts, feelings, jealousies, emotions, angers, all these things. But you're, you're, you've got a redeemed soul in an unredeemed body in an unredeemed world. Period. When you realize this profound truth, then you'll understand verses 19 through 29. Why Paul said what he said in Romans 8, 19 through 29. Because it talks about the hope that we have and the frustration of that, the patiently waiting for that. You know, having to accept that all things are working for the good. They're not working like I thought or working like I wanted, but they're working for the good. And I have to just accept that and, and, and receive that and just embrace that and be okay with that. Be okay with the fact that I've got a relationship with God. You know, God showed me one day, He said, Jonathan, why don't you just be happy? With me. Just spending time with me. Just being in my presence. Just worshiping me. You complicate your walk with me. 
You complicate this relationship. Just come and worship me. I've done everything and I'm your heavenly father. I want to sit here with you and supplicate with you. But you complicate everything. Don't do that. Don't frustrate the grace of God. Those verses are the conflict that I just told you about, 19 through 29, and the struggle of a spirit-filled person desiring God, hoping for one day to enter into glory. The frustration of not being everything that we know God wants us to be. Amen? The frustration or the wondering of things. The wondering of how long until I awaken your presence and in your likeness. <laughs> Am I the only one that's ever felt that way? Are you understanding what I'm saying? There's this life in the Spirit. And God is saying, just be satisfied and with with me being your father and that connection there, I'll give you everything you need. But I know, he said, there's going to be the frustrations that you go through. Like, Lord, why am I still in this body? The, there's a struggle because I'm in this flesh body that's fighting against my spirit man. But my spirit man, I'm telling you, he's alive and well. But it seems like that it's a struggle back and forth because you're still in the flesh. You're still living in this body. It's not been redeemed. The only reason that it does what it's supposed to do is because your spirit man says, line up. You're going to do what I say to do today. Because when you don't, your spirit man does what it wants to do. And it drags Jesus into all that stuff with it. Come on. Are y'all with me? I'm not, I'm not preaching Greek here, folks. Maybe I am, but I'm not preaching confusion. What I'm trying to say to you is that we go through the struggles in this whole chapter, in chapter 8, in the latter part of this, he says, just know that you're going to go through the suffering, and the suffering is going to be the struggle between what you feel in your heart for God and the place that you're at. Anybody ever watch E.T. when you were a kid? And maybe not a very good analogy, but it will qualify. He was in an area and a planet and an existence that he didn't belong. All he wanted to do was go home. That's where you get the E.T. phone home. Amen. I just want to go home. We are spiritually eternal beings that have awakened to the reality there's a God in eternity. And we're like, you know what? I don't belong here anymore. And the longer things go on, I really realize we don't belong here anymore. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And he said, so the vanity of living here and trying to make this wonderful life that is really a delusion and a deception to you because it ain't going to last very long. It's like painting a car that don't run. It's like putting this beautiful $5,000 paint job on a car that has no engine. It's going nowhere. It may look great. It may excite you to do all that. But it has no future. This life is but a vapor. It's but a vapor. It's going to be over like that. You're going to wake up one day. 
And you're going to be at the end of this thing if the Lord doesn't come back before. And I believe he will, but if he doesn't, before your end of your life, you're going to look back and go, man, I wish I would have done a lot of things different. I wish I'd have done more for God, give more to God, witness to more people, been different in how I treated people, my wife, my kids, my husband, whatever, people in the church. I wish I would have done different. Now's your opportunity. Amen. But the frustration that we go through is, here I am, and I just feel like I'm out of place. How long until I wake in his presence? This present time, he said in verse 18, the present suffering, that's what he says in verse 18, the present time of this suffering is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. That born again, renewed spirit in a corrupt body. How do we get through all of this? Number one, by understanding why and what I'm feeling. There's a groan down deep within me. There's a patience required in hoping in my moment whenever I'm in his presence. And the spirit working within us, interceding, giving us a restful peace that all things are working for the good, our good, because we love God and are thee called according to his purpose. That's why Paul said in verse 35, you're going to go through all these things But who shall separate you from the love of Christ? Will tribulation do it? No. Will distress do it? No. Will persecution do it? No. Famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. He said in verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, he said, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth. That spiritual height or the lows in your life. Nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am persuaded. Why am I persuaded? Because I know God the Father loves me. And the reason I know that is because the Spirit of God is a witness in my heart that He does. If you don't have that, you're going to walk around living beneath what God wants you to walk in victory over. In church, He loves us. He loves us so much. Embrace that. Believe that. Accept that. You are a child of God. When the devil comes and tells you you're worthless, tell him, no, I'm a child of God. And I, I just want to let you know God doesn't make junk. He makes us in his image. And he conforms us to his image back. Even when we screwed up, he brings us back and conforms us by way of his spirit. That's what he's planned all along. You are a child of God. And the Holy Spirit brings you to that place where you realize that. Amen. Father, tonight I thank you. I preach what I felt like you wanted me to. I tried my very best, Lord. And God, as as we come to this conclusion, this close, I just pray that you will minister to every person sitting in here tonight, that they will grasp this and lay hold upon this truth. 
And God, that you will encourage us, strengthen us, embolden us, and give us a resolve and a courage in you of who we serve. We are not failures. We are not defeated. We are overcomers, more than conquerors. We are mighty warriors in your kingdom and in your army. And God, you that have begun this good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Even when we give up, God, you never give up. I pray, Lord, that you will lift up each and every person in here as we come into 2023. Build us up, encourage us, strengthen us in you and in your spirit. And God will give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord.